All right, people, how about two in a row? This is hitting the ground running in 2023. Uh, two months in, but give me a break, all right? This is Anastasia Elliott out of Nashville, and she's approaching her style from an angle of what she calls left of center, which is really interesting. She is sort of abandoning the requisite countryish twang that comes out of Nashville that tends to come out of that area. Um, and not for any, you know, negative reasons. She's just doing her own thing. And uh, she speaks a lot on trauma about the magic of music and community and creativity. This was a really interesting conversation. She was uh, very cool to talk to. She's working on a new album. And her latest single, Bones, is the final cut from that one before its official release. And we're all looking forward to this one. Very loud, very unique, coming out of Nashville. And uh, we got to go catch a show. All of us. Let's all go to Nashville. Every single one of us. Because it's going to be a while before she comes to L.A., I guess. Um, unless we try to make that happen as soon as possible. Anyway, here's Bones. Here's the conversation. Um, it cut out once or twice. Apologies. Uh, Zoom is just one of those things. They still haven't perfected it because it's just, you know, uh, transcontinental communication or continental communication. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, here's Bones. Enjoy.
am yeah. going to LA April, but I love LA. You gonna play? Um, I'm actually hosting a panel at NAM on wearable technology and music, and so I will be at NAM doing t techy music things. Awesome. Um, but my band's not not coming with me, so we're not gonna play this time. Um, but I am gonna come into LA for probably some writing sessions and just hang out for a bit. Cool, cool. You got to check out some shows while you're out. Yeah, I actually, um, in, all my, <clears throat> in all my time in LA, I've not been to that many shows. I have played LA a couple times. Mm. Yeah, you got Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, that's a great venue. Yeah, I love that venue. It's, mm. it's probably still one of my favorites that we've played the sound and lighting and it was just a fantastic venue. Yeah, yeah. Everything works out there. Cool vibe, cool little bar on the way in. And yeah. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. I was going to ask, yeah, what are your favorites in uh, Nashville? I've never seen a show in Nashville. I went there once and uh, always wanted to go. I ended up just hitting bars in East Nashville. And that was fun. A whole different experience. <laughs> Nashville's venue scene, it's a little rough, if I'm being honest. Um, <laughs> we've got a couple of like tried into rock venues. Um we just played the Cobra and I really like that venue and, mm. and it's kind of a divey fun rock venue. Exit in was fantastic, but that's closed now, but they are reopening with a new, a new name and ownership. Ah, I heard but that we was the institution. Of, yeah. That was a really great venue. Um, we luckily got to play there before it closed, but Nashville kind of, um, that's kind of like it for rock. We have like three venues and Basement East is a little bit bigger, but um, we've never played there, but that's kind of it. Like we just don't have a lot of options. So for mm. playing local shows, we're kind of like bouncing back and forth between like two venues, that's which can awesome. be kind of challenging. Mm. Um, so yeah. yeah, I think <laughs> we are focused on playing less in nashville and doing more like quarterly shows than last year we played here like once a month cool. and focusing on getting outside of nashville a little bit more music cool. scene in nashville is it's interesting it's it's still growing but there's not a lot of support yet for left of center music mm, really that's interesting to hear i always hear yeah mixed reviews about that uh, about uh, uh nashville either it's like the tightest scene ever or it's impossible to break through and and somewhere in between you know i think it's just i mean it's definitely still very country leaning but it like in its effort to go more pop rock it's still kind of like just dipping its toe like you'll hear like the genre of bedroom pop a lot or like mm. rock that's like not quite rock but it's like kind of rock it's like wait a little bit like <laughs> everything's a little more mainstream but I think we're really working hard to shift that I mean there's a small group of us locals that are not down the middle and we've been throwing events and really like hosting lots of networking events and shows to try and change the scene here but it's it's changing it's just slow right right yeah you're the first I've heard in a while that doesn't have the like a requisite twang like a national mm -hmm. twang to it, you know, and it's and I'm actually from Texas. So <laughs> <laughs> I got, I've got double should have twang, I guess. <laughs> uh, oh, it happens. 
I mean, no accent, no. right? So uh, no. it doesn't come out no, in the music right. anyway. Uh, no, accents right. I do have a, a little secret uh, stash of country songs I've written, but I don't know that they'll ever see the light of day. <laughs> <laughs> was that, was well, that from your... I've lived here for 12 years. Mm. I moved here when I was 16 and like wrote, I, I moved here because I loved their approach to writing more than LA and New York. Mm. And I was kind of one of the first here to bring all these like big country writers into more eccentric pop se sessions because they loved their nuances of poetry and how they kind of treated the lyrical aspect of writing. And when I would write in LA, it was more like, how many songs can we get today? Like, let's just mm -hmm. like churn them out. And Nashville was very like, even if it takes us a week to write something amazing and profound, like we're gonna write until it's there. Mm -hmm. And I really resonated with that. So I have kind of a lot of random country songs from my early days of writing with all the country writers. <laughs> that's so cool you gotta you gotta do like b-sides or something if you i should yeah, i you should print them, just put put something just like a remember cds used to do that the hidden songs <laughs> do yeah something like that. hidden country songs <laughs> yeah like oh is this a different cd <laughs> that's cool uh yeah. how does it differ from from texas uh so you grew up did you uh write a lot when you were in texas no mm. um yeah since texas i mean i grew up in a very kind of like socialite style mm. vibe in texas like it was very proper and put together and everyone was kind of in that perfectionist mindset and mm. it's not it wasn't really like a culture that was supportive or encouraging of creativity and I thankfully like my family was very involved in the Houston arts my grandfather was the chairman of the opera and he was very integrate integrated into the ballet and all oh, of wow. the Houston arts. so I grew up heavily around the more dramatized art styles <laughs> and it was super inspired by that and I started writing I guess my junior year of high school and traveling to write but I didn't write actually in Texas and then ended up here accidentally kind of I came for the summer and I just never left oh that's awesome yeah so that's it's that kind of charming town I I got that vibe everybody was so happy to be there you know you could see just a yeah. some kind of like smile on everybody's face you know like yeah. this is it this is where I belong you know I I can't say I ever felt that for Nashville. I know a lot of people do. I mm. um I have an interesting relationship with this place. I mean, when I first moved here, I was really young and I was writing and working with people who were so much older than me and I didn't really have a lot of friends or like places to meet people my own age and so I was kind of a loner for a really long time. Mm. And I think my family wound up moving here actually like five years ago and that kind of solidified me here a little bit more, but mm. um, I love aspects of it, but I don't find it to be the most creatively inspiring place. Mm, interesting. But I have, I think the people here are wonderful and there's a lot of resources that I have here that I don't other places. So mm -hmm. it's home for now, but it's definitely, yeah. I don't think long-term home. <laughs> Did any other city stand out? Oh, 
travel. As long as I can travel, I'm happy. Yeah. If I'm grounded for too long, I'm miserable. But oh. as long as I can travel, I'm good. Um, <laughs> New York is my favorite city. I think I just, when I'm there, I just feel like I'm absolutely lit up. There's just something to discover on like every corner. Um, and That's I used to, for years, I split my time two weeks here and two weeks, New York every month. Oh, wow. Um, I really do like LA, but I don't know that I see myself living there. Austin was pretty cool. I, I liked Austin. Um, but I don't, I think I'm the kind of person that would like to live a lot of places. I would love to go live in Europe. That'd be cool. That would be, that would be, be the really next, cool. next move, I think we'll be going over there for a little bit. Oh, cool. I'd like too. to be nomadic. Yeah. I, lo um, I love that idea of, of just traveling yeah. and spending, you know, little blurbs of time all over the place and see what you can yeah, see and move on mm -hmm. i'd love to go to london and berlin and yeah germany and um and london i feel like are top two first places i want to go spend a lot of time mm, i hear great things about berlin a friend of mine yeah. lives out there he's a musician and coder like he his day job is coding and then afterwards he'll just play around he's met musicians out there and i guess it's a very yeah, big very club like, scene yeah yeah it just sounds yeah so, I definitely that. yeah and and like big bands out here aren't so big over there so you get to see them in smaller venues I think that's the most appealing mm -hmm. thing to me <laughs> he said he saw I Red Hot Chili Peppers is. for like tw 2,000 people oh my gosh yeah that's crazy <laughs> that's so fun I think Europeans have more appreciation for like left of center nuanced art art that's why i think it like tends to break there first so mm. i i mean i think that we would have a lot of fun over there <laughs> mm. so how do you mean uh, left of center um i think i mean things that are not so mainstream or expected like even in things like vocal styling like here i've been told a lot by like industry folk to sing with less vibrato, less power. Like, you know, the sound of here is more auto-tune or more like uh, less raw. I think mm. there they appreciate rawness or like a little bit looser structure or, um, you know, I, I infuse a lot of symphonic touches in my music from my background in opera and classical piano. And I think that like when I listen to bands from Europe, like Nightwish or like the rock artists over there, they're not afraid to do things weird or different. Mm. And I think here it's a lot harder to get people to pay attention to that or with our attention spans kind of being so fast here and kind of that fast food consumer culture. I think it's, it's just harder to land art that I think has a lot of meaning and intention mm -hmm. i'm not just saying it by any means i mean i love it here and i think that there are people here that appreciate art many of them but i think it's harder to break through the channels of promotion that we have here with something mm -hmm. that's a little bit more intellectual so you feel like you get pigeonholed in that consumerist ideology of just crank it out and you have to compete with everybody, right? Everything I hear about Nashville is everyone's amazing and everyone's, you know, tight knit. I, I hear about the tight knit, you know, circles of musicians, but there's, it's gotta be cutthroat too, right? Everybody's competing with each other and going, you know, full ham on 
everything they do, but it's cranking it out like in LA, right? It's leaves little room for creativity, I would imagine. So. Yeah. Um, I don't, uh, I think to some extent that's true here, but at the same time, I don't feel like they're the weirder parts of their creativity here so I can't say that I feel like there's like the competition aspect doesn't really phase me because I don't really feel like I am competing with anybody here I think I feel like it's more like a group effort to oh, get our you know left of centerness heard but I don't yeah. I don't feel the competition here oh good in that sense, in that sense. Yeah, I think yeah. it's more um less Nashville I think more social media and those avenues that I I'm talking about like I feel like mm. I think it's even TikTok culture and stuff like that that is what is very stressful because <laughs> it's hard to you know distill something that you've put your whole heart and soul into into a three-second hook I think that's yeah. really challenging that that really kills the creative process to be like oh, I made this great thing and the only way that I'm going to get people to pay attention to it is if I can make you know some weird <laughs> distilled thing that like sums everything up in such a quick quick bite I think that's what makes it difficult to be an artist in these days yeah 100 percent. and now you have Instagram competing with TikTok to try to basically just poach all of the things that they do all of their methods and they're telling you do uh do reels instead of photos and now people are doing five second photos and things like that and it's it's so funny yeah. it's, I think it's the rules are silly. I think that all of those kinds of rules that we get put on us are are very limiting to creativity like I love photo shoots I love photos I love doing creative things like that and I'm like I refuse to buy into the death of the photo even if I've just got to make it a five <laughs> second photo like screw that concept yeah yeah I've been doing um I'll, I'll flip photos sideways in stories just so you can see a, a full photo because you're not going to see it on the little, you know, in the little square of a post and in a story, you, you got 15 seconds tops and I think they extended it or they're going to extend it. But um, again, to compete with TikTok and now there's, yeah. have you seen the, the, <laughs> there's like a, the audio going around of, uh, nobody wants to pay attention anymore. So here's five seconds for you goldfish have <laughs> brain having people that <laughs> don't want to pay attention. It's like AI generated voice. Yep. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. Ah, it's, it's so true. I don't know that that's true. <laughs> I don't know that it's true though. Like I, I heard something the other day about how like TikTok and all these places, they push things that are like seven seconds long, like that's kind of like, or they're waiting, they push the videos that get at least seven second views because seven seconds is kind of the point of addiction for us. And if we can keep, you know, scrolling, that's what kind of feeds addiction. And I think more than just like spreading art and making a platform for that, it's about addiction for, you know, keeping people on the platform. And I think, you know, trying to figure out how to fit all of your ideas into a format that will play with that is, maybe a creative thing in itself because there's people that understand it and crush it and that's an art form in itself but it's <laughs> it's a lot to to juggle it's one that I'm learning <laughs> trying to learn how to love I think this whole past year for me has been really working on my mindset around around all of that and figuring out how to make it feel creative and feel good and not 
feel dreaded and nasty in my soul. (laughs) (laughs) Like I refuse to do things like lip singing videos. I I think they are so vapid and (laughs) soul crushing. I actually tried one for my, for masquerade for my last single. Mm-hmm. I sat in the car. I brought a mask. I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm just going to like do it till I get it. I'm just going to make myself sit here until I get one. And I like had this whole concept. I was going to put the mask on. I was going to take it off at the drop of the song. I was like, and do this whole thing. And I literally like, I pressed record. I was like in it. I was going to do it. And then I just like started laughing and I just sat there and I was like, I cannot push a song about authenticity while I'm doing something that is so inauthentic. <laughs> I refuse. And if for some reason that the lip singing videos is like, what's going to change the game, I guess, you know, I just refuse. I, I reject it. <laughs> yeah. Skip over that one, you know? <laughs> skip over that one. Yeah. Skip find over another it. way. <laughs> culture in general, I think is, is very stifling to our creativity because that's, I mean, it's like trying to take something and, and make it unoriginal. Like you're taking your music mm. and you're making it unoriginal. Like I just, I can't, I can't get with that. <laughs> That's how I feel about people using the same songs for, especially TikToks and Instagrams. You know, some, some bands get famous, some artists get really famous uh, okay. from this and it's great, but um, you're, they're doing it to death, you know, and it's like, a, you know, 10,000 TikTokers use your song and people are already tired of it, but you know, the morning, um, not yours in particular, but whoever it is, like my friends that I think are really fantastic at, at social media, TikTok, and are, have seen a lot of quick success with it. They are very mentally stressed about the upkeep of it and it kind of rules their lives. And it's like, it's sad that like you can see those bursts of success and it'd be so exciting, but if you don't keep feeding it in the way that it wants to be fed, you're mm. going to lose the momentum and it's, it's stressful. Yeah. But would you say you feel more grounded in that case of um, not letting that get to you or trying not to let that get to you and just remain creative, remain in that stay out of those loops that people get caught in? I think it's definitely a balance because I can get frustrated when I can't seem to hack that stuff because it just doesn't feel natural to me. And I can be like, God, if I could just figure this out, like I could, you know, make it work. And then I think for me, it's just like continuing to come back to like thinking about creativity and promotion from a place of like, inside out rather than outside in. Cause I think when I focus too much on creating for social media or like promoting something, it feels almost like moving my consciousness out of my body and trying to like create from a consumer perspective. And then it's uh, not creating from here. And then I, I don't know that I think that's where my dissonance will happen because I'll feel like, um, like I'm almost fighting myself in that and blocking create the creative flow, if that makes mm, sense. So yeah. I think um, it keeps me grounded in some ways and frustrates me in others. <laughs> and that's the <laughs> journey that I'm on right now, trying to figure out what style of like promotion feels good to me and creative to me. Because, you know, when, when you're every day approaching things from a frustrated position, it kind of bleeds into everything else. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard to shake that some days, right? Yeah, absolutely. 
if I'm frustrated, I'm now I'm like, all right, go on a damn walk, move your energy, go outside, exercise, <laughs> do something, just like get away from it. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully you can come back and start over. You know, if the yeah, walk didn't take days. it out of you. Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> yes, some days, yeah. no. Easier said than done. But, I'll go on a hike or something and and come back and I'm like, oh, I'm just tired now. I'm, I'm not going to do anything. Uh, last year, I was definitely more in the depths of struggle with it. And I think now I'm, I'm finding, I'm finding the good solid ground with it. So mm. I'm excited for all the random content that I'm going to make this year and, <laughs> and not really care about, I think that's kind of the piece that had to click for me is not, not caring about things like niching down and like, like they always will be like, you know, do one thing, do this, do one style. And to me, when I feel like I'm in a box, that's when my creativity dies. So this mm. year I'm just up whatever I want and if you love it you love it if you don't then you're probably not my ideal person anyways <laughs> and that's a good mentality to have it's back to what you said consumerism you know the consumerism of of music or or any kind of media where you're trying to create something and and then you have to consider okay who's gonna like this who's gonna you know click on this and then you got to ask yourself, who is this for? Is this for me or is this for them? You know, and are they consumers or are they fans? You know, mm-hmm. a fan will like yeah. whatever you do. They'll, they'll understand what you're doing. Even if they don't particularly, you know, like the next step, they'll still listen. They'll tune in and they want to be a part of it. A consumer just clicks away, you know, and unfortunately we have to consider. Yeah. Them. I think, I think too often we consider the passive consumers and not the fans. Yeah. So. Yeah, the fans show up to Moroccan Lounge. The fans show up to exactly. exit in and yeah. yeah. Live is everything. And I definitely have felt that. Like any I give a lot of speeches on trauma and creativity and also like in live shows, I feel like when I or even one on one in DMs, that's where I feel like I talk to and find those like real fans that connect with me on a really personal level a lot more than just posting stuff. So I think my my mission now is to try to figure out how to take whatever that is and put it on to like a more mass scale. Mm. And I think that's going to be talking, which has like yeah. always been my struggle with social media is making videos where I'm just talking because it feels like I'm talking to nobody. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I think, yeah, but talking to people is where I really find like that deeper connection with them. Mm. Do people just reach out to you? Like randomly in yeah. DMs? Yeah, in DMs or um, I have one ad that runs and is sent, sending people to my inbox mm. if they want to talk to me. And I, I love meeting people through that because they have so to cool. choose to engage with me or interact with me. It's not like I'm, you know, seeking, you know, I am seeking them out through that ad, but they have to like decide they want to engage. Most of the time people are awesome. Sometimes they're creepy. Sometimes they're not nice, but most of the time they're nice and awesome. Yeah, that's DMs. The the word DMs like has that connotation. Mm-hmm. Every time I hear it, I'm like, oh creeps, creeps. You know, every time. Yeah. And... Some people just want to see my feet. Other people want to actually <laughs> talk to me on a <laughs> And some people want to know how you're doing and <laughs> see what you have to say. <laughs> Hopefully, hopefully that audience is growing more. <laughs> yes, they are. They are. They all matter. They all matter. Well, the feet people, you know, they can reach out in other ways, I guess. They like music too. 
Cute people love music too. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> they could lead with that and then, you know, work exactly. up to feet. <laughs> exactly. That's a, so, that's premium price. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what did you, what did you leave behind in the new year? We're, we're uh, two months in now about to be, well, month and a half in. So okay. uh, 2022 yeah. uh, was a rough one for a lot of people still recovering yeah, from pandemic was. and everything. It was. Um, all right. I am leaving behind. Uh, I'm leaving behind my unhealthy relationship with fear. That's like my big one, I would say. I, I'm releasing my album this year, which I have spent 10 years of my life working on and mm. holding and hoarding and um, I am like, I just started writing my next two records and oh, wow. it's just been a lot of um, like releasing limiting beliefs that I've placed on myself around all of those things. And I think seeing fear as more of the creative process, like something that tags along the creative process, but doesn't get to drive. And I think <laughs> for a long time, I was letting fear drive a little bit too much. Uh, so that's my big uh, thing I think I'm leaving I'm leaving behind the death of fear in the driver's seat <laughs> it is serious weight to to take off your shoulders so it is great. I think I spent most of 2022 like really unhappy especially surrounding music like really disconnected from my joy of why I do it and I think because I started releasing this record right before the pandemic and then had to shut everything down and I didn't know what was happening and we had to stop touring and it was just like horrible. And then trying to get the machine started again after two years and, you know, release some music and just get things moving again. It, it I don't know, it just wasn't a fun process for me and I wasn't writing. I wasn't really doing much other than just trying to figure out like, the technical way of how the heck I was going to release my music and it felt uncreative and it felt just bad. And so I knew like things had to change and that I was causing that myself. So mm. that's really like, I'm doing things differently this year. <laughs> good. Good. Yeah. And what do you, you have two albums that you're working on now. You said, wow. <laughs> already yeah. that's awesome um yeah um, are these more conceptual albums that uh that you're setting aside or separating or are you cranking out material as it as it flows out and well, you, you can't so, you can't put out a 27 song album i guess if you wanted to if you're uh. <laughs> <laughs> both um this first record was very much a concept album inspired by my plane crash and it it all is a story and um when I was writing a, like when I was writing the past few years and still working on getting this first record out it felt very much like like it was like a sad process to me because I would write songs and they would just go on the hard drive and no one was going to hear them and it was mm. like what's the point and the second I decided that I'm going to put the record out this year, it was like the next day that the next concept album idea, like just like 
dropped in for me. And I was like, Uh, that's it. That's the next thing. And I was like, there's no way nobody's done this before. And I started researching and nobody had done it before. And I was like, yes, this is a, this is the idea. mm. And, um, but it's the kind of idea that is going to require a lot of my time and research and attention and for me to really immerse myself in creating it. So while still making content and trying to get this first one out, it's Mm. been a slower process with that one because I haven't been able to like fully immerse myself in it. So it's kind of like we work on that one sometimes. And then the, I decided that one will be the third record because Mm. it's going to take a lot more of my energy and then the other one has come from just writing about what I'm currently feeling and doing and I don't think it's possible for me to do any record or song without a deeper concept so it's shaping up to also be a concept record but its concept has come from just exploring things and Mm. now it's starting to like take its own own life form which is really cool and yeah so very interesting both of those yeah. and it seems so fun it's more fun it's been so fun yeah oh good <laughs> this shouldn't be a stress well it shouldn't be too stressful an experience it's going to be stressful it's going to be hard but um i don't know it i don't actually i don't find the, i don't find the writing process very stressful it's um there's honestly not that many songs I write that I don't love. I mm. I think like for me, I won't finish a song or like put anything in a song that I don't feel like is 100% the right thing to do. Like I will work on it until it's done. So for me, every single song I finish, I'm like, hell yeah, we did something there. Unless it's just like a totally bum session that's like not going anywhere. And, it, and then I will usually just call it. <laughs> <laughs> and that would be the healthy thing to do, right? Just don't yeah, stress yourself happens. out too much over it yeah, yeah. over a bum session because bum sessions happen right uh, oh, they, happen. they definitely yeah. happen I'm I'm very like I love co-writing a lot and I I like writing by myself but I really love co-writing and um I feel like it's it's like having I I like in writing to to sex and I'll tell you why <laughs> <laughs> You can have fun by yourself for sure. <laughs> and you can have fun with others, but uh-huh. like there's more of like that energetic exchange of like, you know, multiple people bringing something to the table and mm. like creating something together. That's like so awesome. And just like sex, not every session or partner is great fit. Sometimes <laughs> you'll have those like one hit sessions where you're like one time you like wrote an amazing song and it never really catch the magic again and then others like it develops over time as you get to know each other more and more and more I mean they both are creative chakra energy center Mm. activities but I really liken the creative process to that with people so I love co-writing and I think it's a really fun process no Mm. matter how long it takes or how frustrating a song is like the song that's come out comes out th- this month um mm. it's probably one of the hardest sessions i've ever had how many people did you work with on this one um one producer and one other co-writer mm. is that the is that the right number i love threes um i think i love building tracks while writing songs i'm not really big on writing on acoustic instruments mm. um 
and I kind of, I like to create the music bed first and then the melodies and then the lyrics. And so for me, my like perfect trifecta is a more lyric heavy writer and a producer mm. and myself. So the perfect combo right there. My perfect combo. And mm. I've definitely learned that over years of trying to fit different types of people together that did not gel with me. But mm-hmm. now I know that like, if I do that, it'll be a great song every time. Yeah, I feel like more than three that get it immediately gets complicated and <laughs> you start I've, I've, I've had some really successful four-way rides, um, especially recently. There's been a couple that have been fantastic, but um, it's not always necessary. Like I think three, like you can get a great song with three. Four is just like if the if people really flow together, it can it can be great. Mm-hmm. It's, but it can also be too many cooks in the kitchen. It's really about personality. And if people can allow other people to get their ideas in and also help them get there. Mm. Very cool. Tell me about this purple cult. What, what is, where does this come from? The purple cult of creativity. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like that idea. It just flows. Thank so you. Like purple cult. That's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> um, Well, purple is the color of transformation and uniqueness and boldness and creativity and authenticity. And my whole life, I've always surrounded myself with the color purple, even before I knew any of those things. Um, Mm. My childhood bedroom was purple shag carpet, purple walls. My studio here is purple walls and everything. (laughs) Um, And I've always like felt a very like deep connection with the color purple and that definitely intensified after my plane crash. And then I, my hair has been purple for a long, long, long time. (laughs) And for me, when I was working on the kind of community I wanted to create and the kind of information I wanted to share with fans and like what I could help them with, it was, it's really embodying the meaning and the Mm. energy of the color purple, because I think well, also for the cult and the reason why it is called, it, it has such a sometimes thought of as a very harsh, extreme word is a cult typically is, you know, something you, when you think about it, it's like something people have devoted their entire lives to in an uh, sometimes unhealthy way, but it's not necessary. It doesn't really mean that. And to me, I think that people should devote their entire lives and energetic bodies to creativity because even if you're not a quote-unquote creative like our natural human state is to be creative and no matter what we're doing and we can bring that energy to everything in our lives and I think a lot of people are stuck in kind of the autopilot mundane cycle of being in a box and being in routine and not and kind of losing the connection to that curiosity and like wonder that life has for us. So to me, it's a community that supports each other's creative endeavors and like tries our best to connect with that every single day. It's beautiful. Beautiful Thank you. Yeah. It's (laughs) getting people together, especially nowadays. It's everybody. We're so divided in so many ways. People like to cut each other off and 
entirely, you know, and in so many ways it's, it's okay. Toxic people you want out of your life, people who are just detrimental to your happiness, you know, say, um, but we're so quick to do Yeah. And there are, you know, I think people get shut down a lot from, oh, I, I was thinking about this a lot this weekend. I think like from the time we're really young, there's a lot of things that cut us off from our creativity, even thinking about being in like art school or music class as a kid and like you're graded on your art and you're like, you know, it's not, we don't really grow up in very like nurturing creative environments. And I think that causes us to kind of enter that conformity mindset. And I think that it's like our job as adults to like take that back and understand that creativity really is the limitless thing that we can tap into but it requires a lot of dedication and that's why I think I put the seriousness of the cult because it's creativity is not something that you can just like dabble in it's Mm. something that you have to make space for and it's kind of like it's a commitment like you hear a lot of great writers say that like you know, every day at 10 a.m., they show up to their page and their the muse is there. It's like you have to have that commitment to creativity. It's almost like creativity is like your partner. And if you, you know, neglect it or if you don't, you know, take the ideas when it comes and if you kind of like reject it and act shitty towards it, like why would it want to work with you? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I that's kind of how I, I see it. And I think that we need to make more space in our lives for it. Yeah, I, uh, I think that's where we find freedom, like freedom of our soul, like happiness and like how we make our lives interesting. Like it comes from embracing that energy. Yeah. And that energy is not confined to a box. It's not confined to routine. No, yeah. it hates that. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I read this book called Do the Work by, and it's, I guess it's like a Cliff Notes version of a book called The War of Art. I and, love that uh, book. Oh, okay, cool. Um, the idea of the muse uh, yeah. being like an entity, like a, a a being that's either with you or not that you have to cooperate with. I, mm-hmm. I loved that concept of the idea of resistance being a, a sort of demon that's literally dragging you down. And, you know, to think of it that way, it's physically pulling you away from the paper, pulling you away from mm-hmm. the, your instruments and you have to fight it constantly. I loved that idea. It really put that into perspective in a way that that's really hard to describe because I don't know, I couldn't think of anywhere else. I heard it so articulate, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like, yeah, if you're, if you're, if you're driving the car, you know, I like fear drive the car and creativity is your passenger resistance and fear. They got to be in the backseat. Like they're going to be there. I think trying to like close yourself off from those things is, it's a pursuit for absolute failure. And mm-hmm. I think when you cut yourself off from resistance and, and fear, you also are cutting yourself off from creativity. It's kind of like they're weird conjoined twins that mm-hmm. <laughs> you know function together. But yeah. um, I, it is kind of a daily fight. Like the resistance part never fades. Like every time you go in to create, I think there's part of your brain that's like, and you're not your ideas aren't good enough or you're you know mm. it talks to your critic is totally there but I think that's why like devoting yourself to making space for creativity it's almost like the resistance and the that little critic is going to be there but your expansion of creativity has to just be bigger than it it has mm-hmm. to be like 
more important than the small little demon voice. <laughs> yeah, the muse is always at least around the corner, just waiting for you to. Yeah, you know, I think the personification in. of it, though, like giving it kind of a more personified form, makes it easier to like accept it into your life because it, I think it mm. makes it more understandable to like our brains and how we relate to people. Yeah. And so importantly, what you, what you just said about, they're always going to be there. The resistance mm -hmm. is always going to be there. Keep it in the back seat and mm -hmm. acknowledge that right away that it's not going away. It's always going to be there. And the muse is sometimes, you know, as much as it can be, as much as you can invite the muse yeah. in, the resistance is definitely always there banging on the door, kicking the back of your seat and mm -hmm. bugging you. Yeah. It's a little shit. It's a little shit. <laughs> it's a little shit. You're just like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love that. It's a fun concept. <laughs> it's very helpful too. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Um, you covered uh, Cities and Dust. I did. Yeah, that was a beautiful cover. That I love Susan. I'm gonna go. catch her in is it May? I oh think? my god, are you going yeah. to the festival? I'm ninety percent <gasps> sure I'm going. I might be covering oh. it. And uh mum's the word on that. I, I want to jinx it, Gosh. but uh I might be Every taking band pictures. Yeah. Is yeah. Fantastic. We um, I grew up with my boyfriend's a concert photographer and journalist oh, cool. and he uh, when he saw that lineup he sent it to me and was like oh my god i wish we, we were close to the west coast <laughs> i was like oh, oh make it happen <laughs> I love yeah she's fantastic i think i really pull well i grew up listening to like those more powerful 80s female vocalists and mm. um she's one of my favorites for sure mm. She headlined the first show I ever went to. It was a festival oh, wow. and it was the coolest thing ever. I had her poster. I had like three CDs oh, that I got wow. from the record store and I was the biggest fan. And And then I got to see her from, um, you know, a mile away. I was up on the lawn, but it was amazing and oh, that's so yeah, cool. long lasting. And I really I hope that I can close that 10% chance of getting in. Um, yeah. And then Billy Idol and yeah he is one of my all-time favorites oh yeah yes. yeah rebel yell is one of my top three favorite songs really absolutely oh awesome what are the other two? Oh man i it's think uh, <laughs> i mean kate but huge inspiration to me running up the hill was always a favorite song of mine growing up and it was mm. really funny when it got popular and I was like damn that's like the one song I've always told my band like I want to cover that song and then it got so popular and I was like uh. I should have covered it <laughs> ages ago but um that song and I don't know man third spot would have to either have something by Queen or Radiohead mm. or Bowie like Something they're all they're all they're, those are like they're all up there. They're all yeah, there. <laughs> that's why it's tough. Like a, even a top yeah. five, I couldn't like off the top of my head. It keeps changing this, constantly. Those two songs, "Running Up the Hill" and "Rebel Yell," were like songs that to me were like like moments in my life that I like really connected with music in a cool way. So mm. that's awesome. There, there. Yeah, my um, dad loved singers like that. So. That was always what we listened to in the house. Mm. So who 
who ages uh well every year from your from your childhood uh which album do you go back to constantly and it just it just sounds better every time you hear it <sighs> I I surprisingly don't listen to much music mm. um especially when I'm in a writing phase I really don't listen to a lot but um that has changed a lot mm. with dating a music journalist who is constantly <laughs> So it literally was like me who never listens to music and then him who always listens to music. So now I get to listen to lots of music because he's always playing it. And I love that. Um, but definitely as I've grown older, I've got said all of them. I mean, I don't think there's one that doesn't age like well, because I think as I get older, I understand them in different ways or like mm. hear things that I didn't hear before. Like, um, probably yeah i mean queen i love freddie mercury so much and mm. and david bowie. I, I definitely have been diving deeper into david bowie recently i had only really known his more popular stuff and now like i just printed out the sheet music for a deep cut over there that i'm working Ooh, on covering exciting and it, i was editing the other night and he came in the room and was like oh my god you have to cover this song and he played it for me and and i was like yeah, that's going to take me like, that's the kind of cover that I want to do justice. And like, that's going to take me like months to really learn it and, and do it right. Yeah. But it's going to be a fun enough, one. Yeah. <laughs> Exciting. I'm a big Bowie yeah. fan too. Um, yes. But he has like 30 albums. So it's, it's, uh, yeah, exactly. I understand the, the, you know, only knowing the hits for the longest time, you know, it's like, yeah. where do you start? Otherwise you start with Especially his, that doesn't listen to much music yeah because <laughs> you could just start starting like 78 or 83 and like you're gonna hit some ruts too so you have to mm -hmm. i don't know uh with him it's him and like bob dylan i feel like i always need guidance you know because they have so I much actually work. Haven't listened to much bob dylan yeah where do you start i uh, <laughs> i should try um oh phenomenal writer yeah started listening to uh, I did a poetry class recently on Patti Smith and I'd never really listened to much of her and she is really fascinating to me as well um and there was one more I was going to mention and I don't remember it I don't know I lost it may come mm. back oh, Radiohead my mm. love for Radiohead is fairly new um I just saw Tom York at I saw Smile uh play at the Ryman a couple months ago and it was so amazing to get to see him live, even though it wasn't technically Radiohead. Like he's yeah. him. <laughs> they so I, um, but yeah, my love for their music is fairly recent. Like I'd never really listened to them much before the past maybe year. And mm. I'm like, if I have to choose to listen to much of anything right now, it's Radiohead. Mm. <laughs> I go through phases though, where I'll like just listen to like one thing like over and over again like I don't really I don't really like discover a lot at once it's like I get kind of hooked on something but I also really like when I'm choosing to listen to music I like things that are very like calming and chill I think because my brain is so crazy that like Radiohead is like oh, it's like a it's relaxing yeah so soothing <laughs> I like Stuff. he's like heavy metal lover over there and i love it too some but a small doses yeah, i'm yeah. like 
uh, I'm a huge Radiohead fan. Um, the Smile played in LA recently, and I heard about it three hours before it happened. And uh, of course, they didn't make it. <laughs> oh no, that's the worst. Yeah, and it's like what? Uh. <laughs> I've been trying. I saw Radiohead from a mile away at Coachella like six years ago, and it was cool, but to be in a smaller yeah. place like come on you can't beat that so the Ryman is yeah. it's not a huge place right it's a no. pretty small, no, it small. yeah it was small right right there and the photos he got he was like literally right in front of him and uh, <sighs> it, was, it was really cool to see yeah a, a buddy of mine got some great shots from their show in DC and uh and just phenomenal he was like right there and I lost you again. No. There I don't know are. why that's happening. Happening to both of us at the same time. So yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> uh, the beauty and the curse of Zoom, you know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Radiohead, amazing. Where did you start with Radiohead as a as a recent fan? Um. I think OK Computer was the first album mm. that I listened to a lot. Um, I also have some first pressing vinyls of their albums from my parents' collection from back in the day. So <sighs> we were listening to those and we just got uh, Kid, Kid A on vinyl. I think that's the one we just got or in mm. rainbows. I don't know. But yeah, all of them, all of them. I just, <laughs> all of them, all of the <laughs> albums. <laughs> They're all good. And um, I've been getting into like house mixes lately for kind of in a similar way. It's soothing, mm -hmm. it's something you could put on in the background and and something you don't have to fully focus on, but it's, it's this just beautiful air in the background, you know, it's like oh, burning awesome. incense, you know, and Radiohead's definitely like, in rainbows is one of those and amnesiac yeah. was another one of those where yeah yeah if you want to just chill just put this thing on and just let it let it take you where it wants to go you know mm -hmm. mm. or just stay in one place and you know do do your work <laughs> either way it's yes <laughs> um yeah. Oh, yeah. You answered like three of my questions without even me asking. So that was perfect. <laughs> oh, what was the favorite? What was your favorite show you played uh, of recently? Let's say. Uh, favorite show is the last show. Um, we played on January seventh in Nashville. Um, it was the first show that we had sold out, and it was so cool. And I had this. Um, I wanted to throw like a bigger event. So I had all these cool vendors and um, the bill was fantastic that we put together and it was just such a great show. It was a really great show. Mm. That one and um, second favorite is probably uh, the show I played in El Paso. Um, when we were on tour, we uh, did a show for the um, victims of the Walmart shooting. We like, raised money for their families and it was a really really big show and mm. really uh, really cool we did it with the uh, Khalid's foundation the great Khalid foundation and we just had a great turnout it was just it was just the energy in that room it was a great night mm. 
can't beat that. Yeah. But this last show that we played was, it was was a moment. Yeah. Where was it again? Nashville at the Cobra. Cobra, Cobra. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't been. I love every show for its own reasons. You love, I'm sorry. Every show I play for, for its own reasons. Like I think performing to like a new group of people, like it's, it's like its own little lightning in a bottle. Oh yeah. When you see those, those people just who can't take their eyes off of you, right? Who are just completely locked in. Yeah, it's it is cooler. Like the, the like more we play, like it's it's always the best when you see people like singing along and stuff because they know the music. Like that's always like the coolest moments. Yeah, yeah. I always wonder. I always want to ask musicians that you know when you see somebody singing your songs, like. I saw something like. the other day about Brian May being frustrated. Like the band was frustrated in the early mm. days of Queen when people would sing along because they would just be like, just listen to the music. And apparently it was <laughs> annoying to them that people would really? sing along. And I thought it was so funny because for me, I mean, I guess I don't, I don't hear them because I have my in-ears in, but um, I love when people sing along because I, and it's also interesting to me, like sometimes I'm surprised at like the songs that they sing along to, like, songs that I wouldn't, I didn't necessarily think would be the ones that people like, you know, learned or sang along with. It's always interesting to see like which songs people get the most excited about. Yeah. I saw Bully years ago, Nashville out of, uh, you know, from Nashville. I saw them in DC years ago and uh, I hadn't heard of them before. I was there to cover somebody else. And, um, I saw a few people just singing every single lyric that they were, that she was singing. And I went back and I listened to that, to the album that was out that they were pushing. And I was like, Oh, interesting. You know, it's like, Oh, this like the second to last song that didn't really feel like it had much uh, of an impact, but it hit somebody, you know, where it needed to hit. And that's cool. Yeah. It's beautiful moments like that, you know? Yeah. As long as they're not singing too loud, I guess, <laughs> over everybody else. And <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> that would be cool too if they're just drowning you out and just it take the cool. stage with you. <laughs> so when is the album out? What what day? And uh and uh what's the next step? Where's the next show to to premiere this? Um the next show we're playing is this Saturday in Clarksville. I've never been to Clarksville before, so I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, mm. But uh, Bones comes out February 24th, which will be the last single before the album drops. And then the album is going to be top of May. Cool, cool. Top of May. And then hit the road, hopefully. Yeah, we're, um, we're working on planning a little summer tour probably east coast cool to start yeah awesome i will hopefully try to make that my dad lives outside of nashville and uh oh Oh, yeah (laughs) yeah he moved to just this middle of nowhere town it was this beautiful beautiful area um and he's always like come out come out and i i haven't been out there yet i would visit him in in texas when he lived there but now that he's in Nashville, I'm like, okay, I've went there once before. I got to go see him. Yeah, you'll have and to I got to do other stuff, you know. Yeah, catch Definitely. a show. Yeah. yeah. We're also throwing a um, all-female 
music festival day at the Dive Motel on July 1st. So I'm really excited about that too. Cool. That's going to be very fun. Cool. Yeah. We've, uh, on that one. we've started working on planning more event type shows to help build the scene here with the things we want to see. Mm-hmm. So yeah, cool. that Staying and busy. so mm-hmm. I'm very excited to get on the road again. I love being on the road. Yeah. I find it surprisingly easy to sleep in the van. I would yeah. love to come <laughs> to LA again. Um, we were planning on doing a tour to LA for Nam, but um, our show plans kind of changed. So we'll just be flying there with solo this time. But we did love doing like Texas and LA. So mm. that will be that will be in the future. Well, I'll stay tuned for that if I can't make it to Nashville yeah. or to the East Coast in general. Yeah. Well, thank you Definitely. so much for doing this. Of course. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Anytime. And when the album comes out, we should do a follow-up if you're interested. Absolutely. I would love to. Um, there's this album is full of many crazy stories. So yeah, I'm absolutely. looking forward to it. It sounds cathartic. It is. It, <laughs> it is. Like a lot of things. It sounds cathartic to say the least. Yeah. Yeah, it is definitely the exploration of trauma and all of the effects of it and the rebirth process. So mm. there's a lot of a lot of fun in it. And good. The normalization of talking about these things too. It's very important. And I'm glad that people are starting to really open up about, yeah. about these things. You know? Yeah. I'm probably too much of an open book now, but that's just, that's just the way I am. (laughs) This next single Bones, it's definitely the most uh, poppy commercial song on the whole project. So um, it seems right that it'll be the last single. The darker (laughs) half is next. (laughs) That's good. Calm before the storm. Get, get everybody engaged and then... uh then get them well in it's feels. like it's definitely it's all storm i think this whole album is storm <laughs> so probably the last song until the, the resolution it's all storm but in different ways the bones is i mean from the perspective of a cannibal so it's storm in its own way <laughs> <laughs> well that'll be fun <laughs> yeah well thanks again so much Thank I, uh, you. It's so nice to meet you. Yeah, likewise. Likewise. Yeah, keep and, uh, in touch. Follow yeah, me on, sure. on Insta. Let's let's be I think friends. I already am. Uh, oh, well, then I'm, sure. the <laughs> then I'm the asshole. No, I, I might be the asshole if I'm not actually following you and I thought I was. <laughs> I'm following you on Spotify for sure. Well, that's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, anybody that's listening to this, definitely. Right. Give me the follows and keep following in touch. Lives. <laughs> there you are. I'm not following you. I'm the asshole. <laughs> no, no, I just I just clicked follow right now. Oh, don't feel bad. Okay, well, <laughs> I'm the asshole works. first. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, and I forgot you you interviewed um, Vision Video. Oh yes, I love them so yeah. much. I wanted to throw that out really quick. I'm a big fan of theirs. And it was really cool to hear him talk beyond um I love Goth Daddy, don't get me wrong, but yes. <laughs> but hearing him talk very candidly, it was really cool. Yeah, it, he, it was a really great interview. So Thank you. He's so fascinating. I've really, really loved conducting all these interviews with musicians and I'm definitely about to start 
ramping that up again. I took a little bit of a, a break from it, but I love getting to talk to them about their lives and process. And he is so interesting being, you know, ex-military and also fireman and, and then like the goth king that he is. Yeah. Like, <laughs> cool juxtaposition. Yeah, he wears so many interesting hats. <laughs> He's a very interesting guy. I love it. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I hope you do more of those. Very- this past week, I think that interview came out um, with Linda Perry, and that was definitely like a crazy career moment to interview her, that legend. Mm. That was amazing. I'm not familiar. Yes, you are. Mm-hmm. You are more familiar than you know. Um, <laughs> Linda is such a badass. She, you know, the Four Non Blondes, that song, What's Up? Oh, is that her? That's, that is Linda Perry. But oh. <laughs> she she had that song but also like after being an artist and kind of reaching the pinnacle of being an artist she like became one of the most if not the most prolific songwriter and producer female producer and songwriter mm. and has written so many songs that you know so many hits and produced wow. so many hits and produces in many genres like you know, from Dolly Parton to like rock and roll. Like she is such a cool person and she now has this initiative called Equalize Her where they're working to provide more opportunities for women in both the artist space and like, you know, engineers and, you know, the behind the scenes spaces. So she's really doing a lot of cool like activist work, but she's, she's a total badass. And I'm gonna go back and Alicia Ballard is her partner. So I, I interviewed both of them and she's very, very cool too, like a music philanthropist and just a very cool person. So yeah, I interviewed them for Top Shelf magazine, so it's on their YouTube channel. But it's cool. very, very cool. They are very neat, neat ladies. Oh, yeah, the interviews awesome. are so fun for me because I get to I think getting to talk to people who are um more seasoned than me in some ways but also equal creatives like it's uh very cool to get their perspectives on things and can definitely make you feel less alone in the creative mess that is the music industry (laughs) (laughs) oh that's nice yeah (laughs) it's nice to uh, again community it's it's all about Mm -hmm. community yeah exactly So yes, please keep doing those podcasts. I will. I'm glad that you listen to them and enjoy them. Yeah, if you haven't yet, one of my favorites was with Rob Mack. He's a happiness coach. And that was a really, really, really interesting interview. Mm, He was so cool. Very, very interesting person. Mm. I'll check that out too. I I saw Kat Von D too. I wanted to, I I used to watch LA Inc. religiously. So, um, and then she put out an album and I only heard the Mm -hmm. single, but um. Yeah, yeah I, cool. I saw that you interviewed her and I'm excited about that one too. Yeah, we had a lot of weird things in common. Like we're both classical pianists, but we also both worked on our albums for 10 years. So there was like a very weird, um, I don't know, fun things to talk about there. It's definitely the earlier interviews. They were my first interviews and I wasn't quite as good of an interviewer. Not that like they're not worth watching, but like <laughs> I, I used to like early on, I approached the interviews a little bit more like I just wanted to talk to people and I didn't really heavily research them as much. Mm-hmm. And now I spend days like researching them, reading everything, reading a book, if they've got a book, like really diving into their art and 
I've definitely become a better interviewer since because I can kind of guide them where I want them to go or like, you know, set them up for what I am looking for. So oh, it's, yeah, it's inter- super important. fun. I love interviewing. Yeah. Some people don't like it. And it's, I don't get it. It's, it's great. You know, I, I did a book review, um, my first one and that was interesting i had to read this 400 page book and it's like oh my god this thing's huge wow. to get through this thing it was a biography on a on a bassist for a band called the avengers back in the 70s 80s interesting um and this guy just had a really rough life and um he died recently and it was a whole it was a whole thing and i i interviewed the the author and um he sent me the book and everything it's like this is this is new. <laughs> so I'm going to read a book instead of just reading a couple of interviews or watching interviews and listening to albums. Oh, let me read this thing. And, yeah. And, you know, gleam some wisdom out of this. It was a good read. Yeah. It was a long read, but it was a good read. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't have a ton of time to prepare. So I was like, you know, wow. really going through. It was all trying. fresh though. It was, it was probably all fresh. All- <laughs> And he was, he's a great guy too. So it was, he was a, he was very helpful. I think more than he might, might've known. He, he, uh, he carried some of that, you know, that's you know, very cool. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks again. Right. Well, thank you so much. I yeah. am, uh, I'll catch you later. I am. I spent my weekend. I had my first psychedelic mushroom trip oh. and Oh my God, my life is forever changed in so many ways, but I'm about to go for a walk and mm. enjoy the residual effects of everything just being so bright and amazing. <laughs> uh, I haven't done that yet, but I will soon. Yeah, I, yeah, I, you know, for no good reason at all. I just haven't gotten around to it. I hadn't uh, either. Yeah. Truly, um, I didn't know what to expect and I was definitely a little nervous about it but um I watched that documentary on Netflix the how to change your mind mm. uh, and the episode on mushrooms definitely like uh got rid of any fear that I may have had around them but um definitely I was still a little bit nervous I eased into it but man truly one of the most uh life-changing nights I've ever had for so many reasons Good. It was important. Like I'm a little bit in love with them and what they are. like. Just that whole experience. It was insane. Insane. Mm. I understand why they call them magic. <laughs> it's the best kept secret. We we hide for no reason at it, all. It like is. It is. I mean, it truly. Like I I finished it and I was just like, why this is not integrated into our culture as ritualistic medicine. It like I personally like I don't understand. And I'm not the kind of person that does any sort of drugs as like a fun, just like let's get crazy kind of thing. Like yeah. I'm very much intentional and like, I, I don't, I don't know what it would be like to do them without being intentional, but I was very like intentional about the journey I wanted to have and what I wanted to get out of it. And mm. it was literally like eating knowledge. It was like eating books. It, that's how I best describe it. It was like, I ate every philosophy book that's ever been written like I, wow. that is the best way I can describe it. It was like my perception of things was here. And then I ate the knowledge and my perception of things was here. Like, and the crazy thing about it is it's not like weed where you kind of like forget things or like it's a little, it's heavy. Like, it's not like that. I remember every single moment 
Like I was kind of like afterwards, I was like, oh shit, I didn't have a journal with me. Like I'm, I'm not writing things down as they're coming to me. I remember everything. Like, it's like, I can just access every experience that I had. It's so amazing. That is the biggest problem with me. I'm going to be the pusher now. (laughs) I know I am because I just think everyone should experience it at some point. Like I'm mad at myself that it took me so long, honestly. Yeah. I, I need to finally just do it. (laughs) (laughs) It Just more encouraging words. And do it with somebody that's uh, a grounding presence for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. People and place, right? That's the most important thing people in place after I don't honestly know how I could how it couldn't have gone well like I mean I even actively tried to go into more dark thoughts and it still didn't ever take me to a bad place like it was almost like the meaning of bad wasn't even real like there was no such thing as negative or like scary or bad it was almost like that was just gone so I can't honestly fathom having a bad mushroom trip but i've only been on one but i can't fathom it (laughs) i mean i didn't like just stay towards happy things but setting definitely i can't imagine doing them with anyone other than my current partner so Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's important i'm not sure (laughs) i wouldn't pick yeah yeah your person you're with i think is probably the most important and then beforehand we like you know put cool lights up and made everything really comfy and uh, and made lots of uh places that were nice to sit so <laughs> definitely be, be intentional and um and know what you want to get out of it we had very different experiences i mean i had like a complete ego death i didn't expect to but mm. um yeah maybe some of the insights i gave you today on creativity came from uh, that trip definitely <laughs> Good. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the beauty of that. It's things you yeah. may not have thought about things, words that were right on the surface and exactly. weren't coming out. It really processed a lot of like dark energy that I like had from different traumatic experiences. Like it was almost like 10 years of therapy in one night. And I wow. love therapy. I love therapy, yeah. but it was almost like gathering all of the parts of my energy that have like schismed off of me through different bad experiences it was almost like gathering all those and like putting them back together like I feel such profound peace right now afterwards like it's it's really fascinating Mm. I'm really really interested I'm just (laughs) so interested in them like I didn't expect it to be like that yeah I've known people who who take it at once or twice a year um they'll eat mushrooms just to reset and uh-huh. uh, they say, no, just what you said, putting it all back together. And... Yeah, it feels like a great reset. It feels, and I definitely think anytime I'm feeling extra stressed about life or just wrong about things, I absolutely will push that reset. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's there for. And it was there the whole yeah. time. It's meant for that. It's medicine. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Well, Anyways. Thanks again. Enjoy your walk. <laughs>